2: Please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Gerard Michaels is a comedian, a podcaster, and a pickleball fanatic. You can find him on Instagram at Gerard Gaff. Gerard Michaels, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast.
3: It is an honor, an absolute honor to be here with you, Ethan.
2: Dude, you you're a you're an interesting cat. I I I'm fascinated by you. You're a stand-up comedian, you're a podcaster, you're a former professional athlete. And correct me if I'm wrong, you're going to be a pro pickleball player. (laughs) That's right. You're gonna be uh, so you're a former pro baseball player. That's right. And about to be a pro pickleball player.
3: Yeah, man. If I if I can get the job done, I gotta be, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm I've got my I got my tour card. Now I gotta go out there and And win a you know, place in a couple tournaments and and you know get the dubs. That's what I need. Yeah.
2: So I tried pickleball for the very first time today. A buddy of mine has a court at his house, and I would show up and just be like, Go fuck yourself, guys. I'm not gonna do this stupid sport. And then, you know, my mother in law got me to try tennis and it was miserable. People have dragged me to play golf. Not a fan, but I did enjoy, I felt like I got the hang of pickleball today. Not that I'm good, I'm not Mm -hmm. good but I got to the point where I wasn't just launching balls 300 yards, which was tennis. Every ball I hit was out of yeah. the court and yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't calm that down somehow. Um, and golf, I just had no finesse for Yeah, um, and it hurt. It strangely hurt my chest. Like I have big pecs and it and it, I felt very sore the next day and <laughs> couldn't go to the gym. I was like, yeah. fuck that sport. Um, but I, I didn't realize this was something that, could be done professionally. Yeah, I,
3: I mean, listen, you know, you got to understand, too, you know, professional is a very literal term. It means I got paid to do it. You know, the right. most I ever made in the minor leagues was uh, eight. No, that's not true. I'm lying. I, I got a bump up after I was an all-star in 2000 and uh, 2009. I got a bump up to $2,100 a month. My, my very first contract uh, when I signed with the Cardinals out of college was $1,200 a month which breaks down to $15 an hour, but they only pay you for the three hours of game time. So <laughs> right. all the practice, the travel, the six hours you're at the ballpark before and the two hours you're at the ballpark after that's, you know, all for the love of the game. How can so, people yeah.
2: afford to do that?
3: A lot of them can't, man. A lot of them can't actually, you know, the, the, the sad thing about it is look, I, I wasn't good enough to play in the major leagues. You know, I—well, or, 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 that's not true. I don't. I feel like people expect you to say that. I would like, you know, there's a lot of people in the major leagues that aren't great Hall of Fame major leaguers. You know, I could have I could have had a couple of weeks up there, you know, where I hit fastballs before they figured out to throw me anything else. Uh, but a lot of guys don't quit because they're bad, man. A lot of guys quit because it's just it's not a sustainable lifestyle. Right. Um and, and uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer, and then and then I got into comedy. <laughs> another really lucrative profession so the uh but that's why I'm a, I'm a big believer of the you know the kids that i talk to and i used to coach and now like when young comics come up that's a weird thing when you've been in comedy for like 10 years and people start asking you for advice like i have any of this figured out <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I don't know bro the game keeps changing but my big thing is like uh you know cliche as it is i say don't chase your dreams finance them you know don't chase your dreams finance your dreams like work as much as you possibly can If I could have, you know, as much as I trained, as much as I worked. And, dude, I used to be 225 ripped up. Like I showed Mickey pictures. He was like, no way. I was like, yeah, man, I I was you. Like I was yoked. Um, But I spent all my time training. And really, in retrospect, I should have honestly I probably overtrained. And I should have bartended. I should have made as much money as I possibly could, stacked it away, and gave myself another two, three years. You know, because those are lottery tickets. You just don't know. Yeah, you just don't know. You know, when I quit, I had a contract to play in Korea, and I was just kind of done with it. I I, I lost a, a girl that I loved. Uh, you know, I just didn't have any money. She she was she was becoming an adult. She was like twenty four. You know, and you know ramen noodles is more cutting for her. You yeah. know, and uh, two grand uh, you
2: know, I, a year is not uh, two grand a month. Two grand, two grand a month. Oh, yeah. okay, that's that's yeah. a little bit better. Two grand a month,
3: but it's not though because this is what's crazy. You get taxed on it, which is nuts. And then you're supposed to tip your clubbies, like the clubhouse attendants that, like, take care of your stuff. And so the clubbies getting tipped by everybody. And some of the big leaguers who have big money, like, still tip them like they're big leaguers. And they give this guy, like, a, they duck them, like, 500 bucks. And I'm sitting here like, yo, I'll do the laundry. I'll do it. <laughs> right. I'll take that. 500 <laughs> What's happening? Yeah. I'll, what? What's happening? I mean, peanut butter and jelly every day. The, um, but, you know, I, I look back on it and, um, as much as I, I, I loved it and I had fun. I didn't appreciate it enough. I wasn't able to have gratitude because of the struggle, and also, you know, just you're such a high intensity person. You're so hyper ambitious, and you're focused on your ambition. What you don't have, yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I, again, I think you know, I was on the razor's edge for so long that you know, I think part of uh, of my downfall after it was over was just like this, this, uh this big fuck it moment. Like, man, I sacrificed everything. I did everything they told me to do. I did everything the right way. You couldn't find somebody who worked harder than me. And then it didn't work. Yeah. You know, and it, and it didn't work for something that was like out of my control. Yeah. You know, like they cut you, you know, why? Because you're not projectable. The fuck does that mean? Well, what we does projectable
2: think- mean? Oh, they can see a future.
3: Sure. That's what they say. Yeah. Yeah. They got a crystal ball back there and says this player is going to end up being better than you are. Right. And you're like, what? No, absolutely not. I'm going to be better. I'm better than him now. I'm going to be better than him. Um, and, And, you know, that, that makes it very, very bitter, very, very hard. And actually, believe it or not, it's helped me help some of my comedian friends and help some of my actor friends, uh, who go for roles and then they're like what am i doing wrong and i'm like bro they just pick somebody else just, yeah. you, if you if you think it's about you you're going to kill yourself man you're going to you're going to you're going to become so self-loathing there's going to be so much self-hatred and i can only speak to that from experience like yeah. i hated myself i was so i was at war with my body i was at war with myself for failing me uh, it took me a long time to understand that. I think, honestly, I was trying to kill myself in retrospect, and I just didn't have the – I just didn't – I lacked the constitution to the, the do, it, do it the quick way. The long-term, slow
2: suicide, the very yeah. – the, the, the 50-year plan.
3: Yeah, 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 it, yeah. And, and I, if, it, if I made it to the 50-year plan, I would have been like, yeah, I suck at this too, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I can't do anything right. Um yeah, yeah, man. Uh, Wanna, so- wh-
2: well, okay, so the fascinating thing to me, he- here's the most, and and like, first of all, being a comedian, that's fascinating. We could talk endlessly just about that because I do think that's a very interesting, weird, tough life until you are selling out arenas and you're like, and then you're just like a rock star who tells jokes. But you went from being a professional athlete in insane shape. And then in our conversation, a lot of the conversation we had on your podcast was about losing that shape outside of sports. Mm-hmm. And now you are still obsessed with a sport. Like for me, when when I was at my heaviest, I like the, the idea of playing sports. I was just like, I wanna. I want to stay away from my friends having conversations about just having an affinity for sports. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to be anywhere near that simply because I don't feel athletic and you um, are still uh, like you're rabid into a sport. I love it.
3: Uh, I'm a competition junkie. I'm an attention junkie. I'm a, I'm a narcissist, you know, I'm a, um, I, I I'm you know what I I think I am to be honest with you Ethan I think I'm antiquated technology I think that my body and my mind were were just made to be peak performance on a medieval battlefield like okay. that's like I, I give me a battle axe and, and mount me on a on a on a you know on a freaking rhino and let's rock man you know. Yeah. I'm fearless. I'm crazy. And I will do it all as long as you tell stories about me at the mead hall after like, let's rock, bro. (laughs) You know, like, like,
2: it's um, such a fun perspective, honestly, you know, because even now today, like I, you know, I'm very lean, but I'm under, I'm overweight as far as like the BMI goes, and mm-hmm. and like I th-
3: yeah, but so is every defensive end in the in in the NFL. So let's <laughs> sure. BMI. Let's no let's, yeah. listen.
2: I'm very lean. I, it comparative to like America. I'm a very lean person right now. But even at my size, I think about sports and I go like, that's not for me. I'm not. I'm not athletic in that way. Well, it's it's
3: it's not sport to me is not about being athletic. You know, um, sport to me is about there's a big difference. and, And Mickey and the guys at the gym talk about this a lot. Right. And there's a big difference between can't fight and won't fight. But that's a big, big difference, right? And I don't need you to be good at the sport. I need you to want to play. Right. I need you to, you know, and and like softball. I play softball on Tuesday nights with a bunch of guys, great guys. It's where I've met all my friends down in Florida. I moved down to Florida with nobody. And between pickleball, softball, jujitsu, I have this whole group of human beings who I've I've love and I care for and they support my. My comedy, my shows, I support them. It's community, man, you know, and, and the best part about the pickleball community is, you know, women and older people can get in on it just as easy. Like, like a, a 65-year-old woman can smoke me in pickleball. If she's got hands, if she's got game, you know, she can just dot the line. Like there's this one girl, man, there was this one woman we, we were playing, I don't want to say, it, she's in her 50s. Uh, and she was a, a D1 college tennis player. And, you know, the, she is just like – and we're pretty good. You know, we're 20 years younger than she is. And, dude, she's just like – she's hitting more lines than Charlie Sheen. Prime Charlie Sheen didn't hit as many lines as this chick. She's just, <laughs> she's just lighting up the white, man. And a little spin here, a little, hey, how you doing there, a little dipsy dink over here. And next thing you know, it's like, yo, are we are we losing right now to – to 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 the first grade teacher <laughs> what's what's happening here and i love that you know i also you know i i love the the aspect of it you know from from a perspective of i cannot i don't know what it is in my brain i you know the the slick and thick crowd has has diagnosed me as as adhd which i don't know if that's something you develop later in life but I, the the you know the the pieces are lining up i can't do 5 minutes on on a treadmill i just can't do it Right. I, I I will lose my mind. I can't hit the bag for six rounds. I'll lose my mind. I'll play pickleball for two and a half hours. Right. I'll play basketball for two hours. You know. I I'll play a sport until my body gives out. So you know, there there's something to the the activity. And when I when I finished with baseball, I didn't miss baseball. Yeah. I didn't play baseball for ten years. I hated it. I missed my teammates. Uh, you know, it's cliche. I miss the clubhouse. I miss the dugout. I miss the guys. And uh it was having to go into the real world. Ethan, I gotta tell you, I don't get along well with non-athletes, man.
2: Right. <laughs>
3: like, you know, there's this, there's this big, uh, joke on the podcast that like, I hate women. I don't hate women. I, I, I have a tough time getting along with non-athletes. Like I yeah, have a very, right. you know, the athletes just, there's this like playful banter. There's this push and take, there's this, healthy competition you know there's none of this kind of like oh let me consider your feelings first type of thing that's not like it's no respect is earned and respect is given you know um and and in the rest of the world it's kind of not like that and i don't do well i i've i've learned to kind of remove myself from situations that that don't have but also if i'm on my soapbox for a second all of the situations that are the best all of the situations, that the leadership was some sort of athlete somewhere along the line. They know how to cultivate a team environment. They know how to give the individual their flowers, but they know how to make everybody move in the same direction as the team, which I imagine is some of what the best directors that you've worked with do as well because you got big egos. they got to get their flowers, but at the same time, without the whole production, the show's not going anywhere.
2: Yeah, I do think that I respond best to – uh the group is stronger with with uh strong individuals. Does does that make sense? So like if totally. if the group is only be, being considered that the entity is the group, mm-hmm. then it, it doesn't make as much sense to me. But if there is a director who needs a certain thing from the group, he is gonna go around to each guy and have that have that moment with them. You, you know what I mean? Even if they're time crunched or something.
3: Not only that, but I I've found out and this is I've not, I haven't been in nearly as many situations as you, but I've found that kind of like the group is all that matters mentality. It's really the individual who's at the hierarchy of the group, and then what they're doing is very passive aggressively demanding obedience from everybody else to fall in line with what they want to do anyway. It's yeah. like this is this I, is like very polite bullying here.
2: I think that is the The majority of the times that is the situation and I've seen plenty of that, but then I have also seen where I worked with a director who, who believed that it was such a collaborative effort that anybody had a say in everything we were doing. So mm. like for me. I want my direction to come from a director i don't really want my direction to come from the grip or the electric guy i don't think that i i didn't show up to take acting direction from them and so when when you have everybody standing there and it's like let's discuss the scene Mm -hmm. I, i i'm fine with the actors talking about the acting and the electricians talking about where the lights go and the grips talking about how the lights can go there and and the camera talking about where the camera can go. But if you have some weird mix where it is literally open to almost democracy in the workplace, that doesn't work for me. I'd rather have, I'd prefer having a, a dictator on set who's mm-hmm. just like, this is what I want. This is what we're doing. Everybody listens to me. I just respond to that better at work.
3: Yeah, that that's uh that that that's a society problem, dude. That's like, why the fuck does Yelp exist? Like, you know, you go to a five star restaurant with a chef who's worked for thirty years, and you get some asshole being like, "Well, I thought the potatoes were dry and the ambiance." It's like, well, what the fuck does this guy do for a living? Oh, he sells car fucking insurance. What the? Why am I listening to this guy? Yeah, why, like what? Like. What do I care what he has to say? Why don't I ask the pizza delivery guy like what I should do with my uh, my plumbing? You know, I know I got a plumber that I'm paying, but let me ask the pizza delivery guy. Hey, do you you think we really need copper piping? But, you know, like I I don't when I was a kid, my grandfather, (laughs) he could never make it in today's world. I I guess a lot of people from New York, New Jersey, probably their grandfather is the same thing. But he would like he had this way of telling you to shut up with your eyes that made you like, feel like you were like this idea that there were no dumb questions didn't right. exist to my grandfather. Like yeah. there was a, like lots
2: had, of dumb questions and you're going to know it. I'm going to let you know.
3: He had this look he would give you and it'd be like, what, why, why are you talking? Right. Why you like, and, and He would get, you would get it immediately, immediately that it was like, Oh, I, yeah, I'm a child. What why am I talking? Like yeah. why I mean, why yeah. is my opinion matter here at all? Yeah. I am I'm here so to learn. So sorry adults. Yeah. Teach yeah. me. Teach me the same <laughs> wisdom. Yeah. What
2: uh, what happened after you stopped being a professional athlete for the first time? Mm. What what was it that allowed you to gain weight and what's the struggle been with getting it off and do you even care? Because listen, dude, I I look at you. I look at how active you are and like you could be the poster person poster man for healthy at every size you could make that your life's calling because what i mean do you want to lose Like you don't i there's nothing you're not doing
3: yeah uh well i appreciate you saying that man and if anybody wants to pay me to do that i'm happy bud light you need to come back here and i'm your guy <laughs> uh yeah you know exactly and, and to that point i i there's a certain aspect of being my size now and um and i'm down like over 100 pounds and you know and i wear it well i am broad shouldered and stuff and you know I'm, uh, I'm I'm bigger than people think i am when they when they meet me a lot of people for whatever reason think i'm like five eight and i'm like you think there's a lot of five eight pro athletes going around and i'm like six one so uh it works for me because everybody, uh, especially at the gym, I have a funny story. Is there's, there's a great guy? I won't say his name. He's a great dude, and he's a, a pro fighter. And he, he's like, "I will smoke you in pickleball." I see all your pickleball posts, and I will smoke you. I'm like, brother, there's one very easy way to find out.
2: Right? Let's play and pickleball. We, we,
3: we paid. We paid for a. We played for a, a hundred dollars a point, and uh, that nice watch I had on uh, the show was was paid for by him. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> but. Um, yeah. You know, so you could you could really take people that that is one thing that I kind of do like a little bit is like, you know, now when I do things um, like I was a three time All-American man. Like I like I'm an athlete athlete. I can move, uh, but nobody sees it coming. And then you like you're looking at them and they're like, what is going on here? Um, I got,
2: right now you're saying all that. And I'm like, we got to remake the color of money, but it's set in a pickleball court and jared jared's a fucking uh a a hustler he shows up he shows up maybe like acting like his hip hurts a little bit or something Ah, you know and ah. then just smokes people
3: i don't need to show up acting like my hip hurts it hurts i just just play through it i gotta show up and wait for the advil to kick in um but you know what man i've never answered this question honestly I've always given a funny answer to it. I've always given, I'll give you the, I have so much respect for you and, and what you've gone through and, and your willingness to be vulnerable. Uh, now, I'll be honest. I don't like talking about this. I'm very sure. embarrassed talking about this stuff. Um, The internet exists and I've chosen to live a, a very uh, public life. So there, there's no hiding from it. I hate it, dude. I hate it. I hate that it's a chapter of my life. I feel so much shame and embarrassment that I have to – I've done therapy, and therapy saved my life, frankly. yeah. Um, you asked what happened. Uh, in re- I can only tell you in retrospect because it feels like a blur. Yeah. Uh, it feels like I woke up one day. It feels honest to God like it's two different lives, that Gerard Harron, my real name who was that guy, the baseball player, the athlete, he died. The day his career ended, he died. That person doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Gerard Michaels was born sort of from the ashes, the rebirth of that. And a couple things that I've learned in trying to save my life, really, was that guy was a great athlete and a really shitty human being. Uh, A really bad person, a womanizer. Um, a a very selfish person with my family. Now, in my mind, while I was doing all of that, I never felt any of that because in my mind, I was doing this for them. I'm going to become famous. I'm going to become rich. I'm going to change our family fortunes. I'm doing this for you guys. I'm sacrificing for you guys. Like, dude, I would wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning uh, and do fasted sprints, take sleeping pills to go to sleep, wake up, do uh, a high-intensity cardio workout at 12 to spike my testosterone. Now, I never took steroids. I took a whole bunch of pro-hormones and shit to mimic the effects of steroids because that was legal, and I probably destroyed my body in the process. Right. Almost 100% GNC
2: test booster type
3: 100%, stuff. so like Andro, right? And, and this is also, believe it or not, this is why I'm an advocate for steroids in professional sports. I don't think kids should be taking any of this stuff in amateur sports. But in professional sports, there's just way too much money on the line, um, and other people are going to do it. Like so, like this stuff is readily available in, in the in the Caribbean. It's readily available in South America. It's readily available in Asia. It it, it gives the American kid an unfair disadvantage that these what? guys.
2: I want to really understand this. Steroids are redi- readily available there or these steroid enhan- or the no, no, steroids, steroids, themselves. Right, steroids right, themselves, Right. Gotcha. Yeah.
3: Uh, and in many ways, that's a cleaner way. So instead of taking. So like one point I would take Andro and I was taking like a thousand milligrams of Andro a day. <laughs> like, you know, uh, Andro stendione. And it's completely legal walking to a GNC. Now, it was legal in 2006. It wasn't legal in 2007. Right. So by the letter of the law, I did everything the right way. But for like the intention of what they're going for, absolutely not. And, you know, now it's still happening today, Ethan. I'm not going to call out names, but like they figured out that you can keep your testosterone at a certain level and it you only test positive if it goes above that level. So what all these guys are doing is they're just they they have all the money in the world. They have doctors helping them just keep that level the whole time. Right. You know, so like they'll spike. Like dude, they've got things now, like they got lossages, right? That you can take. And like let's say that you've got an at-bat coming up. You could take a lossage the inning before, and your test will spike right before you're at bat. You know, you go, you you kick off, kick off is at one o'clock. You pop a lot, uh, you know, one of these, one of these test lozenges at 1245, you know, and then by three o'clock, it's, you know, your test is kind of back, back to its baseline. If you, if you have a random test after the game, you know, you'll, you'll test your test will test high, but it won't be, it won't be high enough for you to pop. So like all this gray area stuff, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent here. Forgive me that that sort of stuff the the kind of experimentation we all did with our bodies it's an ex- it, i cannot describe this enough people we we glorify professional athletes and we should because it's so hard and so competitive and you have to sacrifice so much even if you are born with all of the attributes you they, there's so much sacrifice that you have to do but it's an extreme activity right it, it's it's like f- people want to push their kids into this I, I think you should. It's a noble endeavor, but be aware of the entire process here.
2: Well, there's also, I mean, listen, kids in sports, I think there's so much value in having kids in sports. Little League, the the soccer, I don't know how big soccer is on the East Coast, but on the West Coast, I think it's called ASYU, something like that, where that's like the big sports for kids, and you Mm -hmm. go to the park every Saturday and you got kids from – you know, two to 14 playing soccer. I think there's something good about getting kids active, you know, like when I was a kid, which was even a generation, I think before you were a kid, we, we just left our house, Sure. you know, when we were little kids, I, as a parent never once was okay with my kids, just walking out the front door and saying, see you later. And then expecting them to be home for dinner. You know what I mean? So there's Mm -hmm. a, a lot less uh, physical activity. So, like, I think about that. I think what you're talking about, yes, that putting your kids into sports with the idea that this is going to be a lifelong thing and a passion and doing it professionally, that's got to be insane pressure for a
3: kid. Yeah, it is. It is. But more than that, man, it becomes your identity. Yeah. And just like anything else, like, And that's part of life. Like we all kind of find, we all get in where we fit in, you know, but like in middle school, I was a little bit of a late bloomer. I was younger than everybody else. I was like very, very young for my grade. I was born in Brooklyn and uh, December 31st is the cutoff for school. So when we moved out to Jersey, I had already started school and the, the cutoff in Jersey, September 30th, I'm a September 28th kid. So I was like the second youngest kid in my grade every year. Um, So I developed a little bit later. I I was short, fat, braces, the whole nine in uh, middle school. I got picked on, Uh, but I was always a good athlete and I got respect from everybody by being a really good athlete and also then being a tough kid. Uh, And then uh, I'll I'll never forget eighth grade, the final uh, semester, I think, you know, they called them marking periods back then or whatever, but the, the final marking period you could for the last two weeks uh, leave eighth period if you were going to play football for the high school in the fall, and then they'd let you go up and do spring football and like kind of like introduce you to the game. And I was like, hell yeah, get me out of here! <laughs> uh, and then I trained and I lifted weights for the first time in my life because um, because I had always heard you know, I, I was good at baseball and these old timers always used to say, Oh, lifting weights is bad for baseball. <laughs> so I never lifted, you know, I was in seventh grade who lifted weights back then in seventh grade. Now all these kids are lifting weights at five, and six, doing yeah. plyometrics. metrics. Um, but that eighth grade summer, I lifted weights and my body. My physique completely changed. I went into high school three inches taller with some traps and some pecs, and all of a sudden, the women are looking at me differently, and all of a sudden, you know, the bullies are apologizing and you know and and then uh, it's a pretty cool feeling when you're one of like two freshmen in the whole school playing varsity and you're walking around the freshman halls with your football jersey on. It's intoxicating, yeah, um and you you realize, man, you know it it's it's like optimal capitalism, man. It's a meritocracy. It's like all I gotta do is work harder. And get better at this thing I like anyway. And I'm gonna get all these things I like. I'm gonna get my name in the paper. I'm gonna get chicks.
2: <sighs> yeah, sign me
3: up, and I'm in. I'm in, yeah.
2: in brainer. I'm in, yeah. For sure. I'm
3: in, bro. I am in. Um, but I but you know, at the same time, I, I was still a geek, you know. I was still in honors classes, I still like drama, I still was in debate club, you know, and it's you know, uh, I, I, I'm taking honors classes. As a uh, freshman and sophomore, and I'm in, you know, they, they got all the remedial guys from, from senior year and an honors freshman class. And I'm with all my teammates, you know. So Yeah. That's, um, that becomes your identity. That becomes your life. I was a jock. I was an athlete. You know, I was a scholar athlete. I was a smart jock. But I was a jock. I still am a jock. And when that kind of ends, when that gets ripped away from you, uh, you have a serious crisis of identity. Um yeah. You have a really. My story is not atypical. There's so many guys I played with that have it way way worse than me. That had it way way worse. When the game is done with you, it's just done with you. And we don't we don't do a good enough job in any any sport really. You know, there's guys I played with. Um, I won't say his name, but he's a great guy, first round draft pick pitcher. And this dude had you just the body's not made to throw 100 miles an hour, man. Something pops and after 1 year, 2 years, 3 years the organization starts going, "Hey man, are we going to get you on the field or what? We pay we give you a lot of money." And he starts feeling that pressure. And don't forget at that level, you want to heal your body. 6 weeks there's a pretty good guy playing those 6 weeks when you're out. Yeah. There's somebody who's pretty good taking those at bats and taking those innings. You it, there's you, you just you got to stay on the field. You have to stay on the field because um,
2: because if you don't, you're saying you're giving your competition. Basically, at that point, your competition isn't really the other team; it's the people who are waiting for you to take a break. Oh
3: yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, man. Like, and you'll see it too on a bus. Like, your team will win like ten to three, but you go one for four, or somebody will take an zero for five, and they'll just be sulking on the bus. You see it, right? Um, uh, and I could talk for an hour about that. So many, there's so many, like literally inside baseball things I could tell people that are like, like they would never know. But so these guys, they start taking Percocets, so they'll start taking OxyContin's, and they're not doing it because they're drug addicts, and they're definitely not doing it. Be- I mean, some of these guys are like, they don't drink, they're hardcore Christians, they just gotta play, yeah. they gotta play. Uh, and after a while, your body create, you know, your body creates a dependency. And then when the team cuts you, you know you don't get to say, "Oh, okay, body, we're a gym teacher now. We don't need to take Percocets anymore." Nah, right. it's it's in there. And then mix in the crisis of identity, mix in the the immense depression. It's a death. Um, this is gonna sound so stupid. I I recognize it sounds stupid, but um, my therapist basically was like, "You know, you have PTSD." And I'm like, that is insane. That's an insane thing to say. And then she's like, well, your your biochemistry doesn't know that you weren't on a battlefield. You were in a group of people that you thought were brothers. You saw them die, get released or 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 traded. You had the threat of death over you every day. You know, you had a you lived on a razor's edge for years. And then it finally happened. And now you're home and you don't know what to do with yourself. She's like, this is this. Th- this is what the diagnosis is. And I'm like, well, that's. That's an asinine thing. Um, but you know, it, it kind of is what it is, whatever the 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 smallest, most mildest form of that is. And it like other, I guess, PTSDs, it um it metastasized itself in in a in an alcoholism um and an overeating. And I think because of my gregarious nature, um a lot of people. Just, you know, I don't know. Uh, it took a long time, a really long time before I looked and I realized, like, man, something had gone really wrong here. Um, I had ballooned up right after uh, baseball.
2: Oh, it was quick.
3: Yeah. Well, But I was still young and I was still in such good shape underneath all of it that I was able to like my girl left at the time. And I was like, oh, shit, I got to get back in shape just like right. that. And I was just like, oh, you know. I, I thought I kind of like had taken a vacation from working out or whatever. I, I was working for the first time in my life, I was working a nine to five and I'm drinking at happy hour. I'm I'm doing all these things I never got to do. I'm drinking on the weekends. Now I finally got money. So I'm eating steaks, you know, like I'm, I'm doing all, I like, I'm, I think I'm treating myself, but what I'm really doing is being like, yeah, fuck you body. Fuck you. You know? And I realized that now, uh, I should have ate this burger the whole time. You failed anyway, you bitch. Like that's, that's the internal monologue. But then I got into jujitsu and I got into fighting and I, I thought I made I might make a run as a pro fighter uh just to get back into the competition and all that stuff. And then um there was there was I I ha, had won uh, a tournament, the, the Pan Ams as a blue belt, and I got an offer to train at uh Matt Sarah's uh gym and you know, and then I saw what like the fighters were making, and I was like, holy shit, this is the minor leagues all over again, man. Right. Like I'm not I'm not leaving. I was working pharma sales at the time. I was like, I'm not leaving a six figure pharma sales job to go get kicked in the fucking head. You know, like if I was going to do that, I should have just stayed baseball. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, so when I stopped that second round of being an athlete, I, I was 30 and that's, that's when, that's when it went off the rails. That's when it really went off the rails. Um,
2: When we talked, you talked about this moment of like waking up one day and being surprised by it and how it happened so gradually that it's not. and, And I could relate to that so much because I have like in my almost 50 year memory. Um, there's so many instances in the last 20 years that I got on the scale that it's it's a blur like I can see the scale going up and down in my head mm-hmm. just replaying those images but from prior to that there's like three times that I got on the scale and every time was shocking and every time I went how did that happen sure a- and and you talked about something like that and I was like that's such a relatable experience, man, where, where you're just, you're just, you see something, you go like, that's not fun. You avoid it. And then it's much worse the next time.
3: Yeah, man. Yeah. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but it's, it's the truth. And, you know, I had always been able to lose weight really, really fast. Um, you know, like I, I'd, I'd be able to lose 20 pounds in two weeks before spring training or, you know, or if I was, when I was fighting you know, I had to be under 265, so I, I played most of my career 235 was like my perfect weight. That's where I was as strong as I could be still fast, still flexible. I get into the 240s and I'm real strong. I'm bulky, but injuries. And if I played under in the 220s, I, I didn't I didn't have that pop. Right. So the 230s were like where I really wanted to be. And then when I started fighting, like 250 was like real. I was a I was a beast at 250, and I could still move very fast for my size. So I was I was a very like impressive. Like I wasn't a lumbering 250. Like I I was like, I was I was ready to go. Uh, so I would walk around at like 275, but look like I was 225. I just right. I just had like the mass and and but I was still like I was 275 with like a 36 inch waist. You know what I'm saying? Um, Just just a strongly built guy. So seeing those numbers wasn't as jarring for me. And then so when I would be like 32 um, and I'd see like 275, I'd still think of it like it was like muscle mass 275. Right. You know, and I would be like, all right. And then the next time I'd see it, it would be 295. And I'd say, holy shit, I'm almost 300 pounds. I got to do something about it. And then I went to do something about it. And I would work out as hard as I worked out. I would get out my old planner, my old base, and I would get hurt. Yeah. You know, I'd hurt myself or or I'd get so sore lifting legs that I wouldn't work out for a week. Yeah. Um, And again, I didn't know this was at the time. This is all in retrospect, trying to like do like what happened here. And I'm going through this and that, you know, so now I work out as hard as I possibly can for one day. I feel like a beast. But that don't work out for seven days, right? Right. You know, yeah. or I, or I, I pull my hamstring trying to, you know, squat six hundred pounds for because because I can, yeah. <laughs> and then I can't do cardio for the next week. You know, and, and these little things happen. Then you look up one day and you're like, three hundred and ten pounds. Holy shit! I'm three hundred and ten pounds, and you look it in the mirror, and well, you start growing a beard out because I don't like how I look with two chins. And these, like, these evolutions. So it puts you in such a place that you just stop looking at the the scale. Yeah. You know, and you just stop posting pictures of yourself. And or you only post a picture of yourself when it comes back like, oh, my God, I don't look so bad. Like, it's not <laughs> even you don't you don't look at it like, man, I look good. Or, wow, I want people to see my friends and my family. It's holy shit. I don't look fucking horrible. I'm gonna post this. All yeah. right, that and that—that's that's a small thing, but that's a fucked up thing in your mind that you are so certain you look bad. You are so certain the world sees you in a terrible way for the horrible, ugly, disgusting, fucking fat pig you are. That when you don't, you're like, "Hey, let's go out tonight. Let's drink some beers. Let's let's celebrate this. I'm. It's not so bad. I'm doing all right. I had one salad this week.
2: Listen, like, I." utterly know what you're talking about i still am haunted by that today and i'm under 15 body fat and it still haunts me this this idea because given my state of mind on any given day i go like i just went i was working and out of town for a number of months but it was almost too exhausting to even participate in instagram because it was just like No, I'm working. I'm not in the gym as much as I normally would be. So I know I look like shit. So I'm just not posting anything. And I took a couple months off and it was like, it was like, wait a second. Nothing's really changed. I still am going to the gym. I still am eating right. I haven't gained any weight. What the fuck is wrong with me? And I think unfortunately what we're talking about, this experience, I think that's like the hottest girl on Instagram experiences that. (laughs) do do you know what i mean like i i would be willing to bet she's not just throwing up any picture
3: yeah you know i what i'm sad about those type of girls and i you know we know a few of them i'm sure the validation i got from playing i know the addiction of that
4: yeah
5: life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry
3: They're getting it from that. That's a that that's a very sad thing, man. If you're getting validation from the internet, you are in deep, deep trouble. Yeah. If you are deriving your personal self-worth from the consensus of the of the you know anonymous masses, you are in you are in deep waters, friend. Uh because that is that that's a fickle environment, man. Um and, and I don't know if you're this way, but um, <laughs> A hundred people can come up to me after a show and tell me it was a great show and I had a great time and asked to, ask to take a picture. And then I'll see one comment online of somebody that was like, that piece of shit, you know, that hack bastard. And I'm like, Hey buddy. Yeah. What, what exactly I, was it that you didn't like? Listen, you know, that's all I want to do. And it's a hundred that like me. I don't care. There's and a the one that hates thing. me. I want to be like, why? Yeah. You know? The, and it's that it's, so it's that same thing where it's like, you know, somebody tells me, so if I get a compliment, Ethan, and, and I know this is gonna sound like bullshit, but this is the fucking truth. Even now, if I get a compliment, if a girl comes up to me and she's like, Wow, you're handsome, I don't believe her. I think she's lying or someone's putting me on. <laughs> if somebody's like you fat piece of shit, I'm like, all right, well, he's telling me the truth. I disagree right. with him, but all right, at least I know he's being real. <laughs> and that's that's fucked. It's fucked. You know, it's like it's it's a weird thing because everybody thinks I'm like this overconfident. I, I'm confident in these in things that I've read and things like if, if you want to talk to me about something that I feel very knowledgeable on, I'm not going to acquiesce. I'm not going to be like, no, OK, well, differing appeal. I'm like, no, you're you're wrong. No, right. this this happened. No. But if you're like, you know, hey, man, you're handsome. I'm like, OK, yeah, sure. I get it. Yo, know, you're handsome, too. Or with this, yeah, are you know, setting me up here for other. something? Yeah. Very weird, man. It's very weird. It's a very weird feeling.
2: It, um, it, it is. And there, there, I'm sure some very smart psychologists could explain to us why we are attracted to negativity like that, because I'm, I, I, I'm with you. You know, if I put a picture up and get 50 or a hundred people saying like, this is really impressive, or this is helping me, that right. makes me feel good. But the thing that will catch my attention most and kind of, uh, take up the majority of my thought process is like, you're doing it wrong or you look like shit or you're still fat or anything like that. And I'll Mm -hmm. be like, motherfucker, I'll spend some time, you know, thinking about this and coming up with a witty comeback. But, but I, I think the, the greatest thing I, I love Joe Rogan, but like the thing that I love that he says repeatedly is don't read the comments. And sure. I think he's very right. And I try sure. very hard to stay away from the comments because you put something out there. I hope people enjoy it. If they don't go fuck yourself.
3: Sure. Sure. There's no doubt about it. You know, we had a um, a big discussion. I'm, uh, I'm good friends with uh, Eva Lovia, uh, the former adult entertainment star, current adult entertainment star. And she's looking to rebrand herself as, you know, Candace. She's brilliant, brilliant woman. Um, really, really smart. Uh, and she she went on bar stool a couple of times, and uh, the comments were uh, brutal, and she made the mistake of reading them. Yeah, and and it's it, devastating. It's devastating yeah. because you know why? Because it's conflict without resolution. Every day I walk, people know who I am. Once or twice a day, someone will be like, "Hey, Gerard, love your videos." I'll be like, "Bro, thank you." Never get hate. Never. Right. Nobody, nobody is ever mean to me within arm's length. Amazing how that yeah. how that happens.
2: The real world Amazing. people are polite and nice. Yep.
3: Amazing how it's always a, a cat avatar with you know. So I, I don't it, that that stuff doesn't really bother me anymore at all. I'm telling you, I'm I'm sick. I'm sick in the head. What bothers me is like when I'll post something of me at the gym. And like girls will get in DMs and be like, oh, another thirst trap or something like that. And I'm like thirst trap, sister. <laughs> I just, I, I'm just, I'm just trying to do counter propaganda for all the, for for all the, the the ten years of of shit photos that people tagged me in. Right. <laughs> that's. I'm just trying to level the playing field a little bit. Like yeah. I, like, I just, I'm just trying to set the record straight, guys. It wasn't always like that. Like that's. Yeah, you know, I'm not trying to thirst trap it. Look, if you want to run in my DMs, I ain't gonna stop you. Go for right. it, you know. But at the same time, like that's I can promise you, promise you, promise you. That is not the intention of me posting that picture. I swear to God, it's all. It's almost like you know. Um, yeah you know it's almost like i want to write like i I hope my exes see it but not like my exes see it so that it's like wow he looks good i hope my exes see it for it was like oh man you know that thanks if people knew we were together like you know yeah, like, I want to be like I got you, girl. You can, you can, you can brag about this again, <laughs> like you know. Because I've been on the other side of that, and there's nothing worse than when you know there was a girl everybody knew you were with, kind of lets herself go too, and you're like, baby, get it. You got to get it back together here. People know right. we don't no, get it back together. Like you know, you're representing me still.
2: Like I mean, <laughs> exactly what you're talking about was one of the biggest impetuses for me to get my shit together, simply because like I had a girl who cared about me and didn't care Had, like literally as though um I'd shallow howled her y- you know that movie shallow how of course of course so it, yeah. it, I, like I would walk around sometimes going like she has no idea what mm-hmm. I look like she has no yeah. clue because it just was so much not a part of her awareness and part of it was like I'm embarrassed for her to be out in public with her like she would want to give me a kiss and i'd be like what the fuck are you doing you're you're tarnishing yourself trying to kiss me in public i didn't want to and or anything i wanted to you know go ahead good and i just there there was a thing of like i gotta do i don't want her to be embarrassed even though she's not i'm embarrassed on her behalf about myself
3: it's crazy i do i do a bit and my bit is the easiest way to turn me off is to have sex with me. Like I'll He's look just, at you, God if, damn it! If, you
2: would do that if you exactly,
3: exactly. It's like, how you, oh, I have. I, how can I respect somebody that would have sex with this? What is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. You're gross. You disgust me. Get out of here. Just, just yeah. get get out of here. Like, what happened along the way to you that you would be attracted to this? You're (laughs) horrible. Get out of here. You know. um,
2: But there is somehow a little bit of truth to that. Oh, there's a lot of
3: bit of truth to it. I
2: hated myself. Anybody And you could like me. So this was the one time for me where it was like, she likes me and I like her so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm not grossed out that she likes me. How do I fix this? <laughs> you yeah. know, I and, yeah. I and I just went to work.
3: Yeah, you want to talk about the psychology of it, man. The psychology like this is this is how I, I used to get, you know, chicks in Brooklyn like was, uh, you know, they they'd hate me for my my political views. Uh, but they hate themselves more and the enemy of their enemy is their friend. So then they <laughs> ended up sleeping with me because <laughs> they hate themselves so much. <laughs> so I- it
2: was like, like when you hear about people <laughs> listening to political, like people, like I heard this fascinating thing recently where somebody was talking about Tucker Carlson and they were saying he has this massive audience and everybody thinks that everybody who's, tuning in is doing it because they respect what he's saying and you don't realize a massive portion of his audience sure. is hate watching him <laughs> yeah. and so that that was maybe the brooklyn gals they were oh no, that's like- that's
3: definitely the brooklyn gals the brooklyn girls you know especially the upper middle class girls who are down there vacationing in poverty for a couple of years uh but the uh you know um that that's that that self-hatred that self-loathing well that was our uh that was our connective tissue now this is what's crazy and again people are going to think this is a lie but i got no reason to lie i'm being as vulnerable as i as open as i can be i i got a lot of women even when i was at my heaviest man i had long hair i had this long beard i get these hot like biker chicks i'm I'm on tour with catfish cooley like i i got a lot more women then than i do now uh you know and and part of it is i just don't i'm not actively pursuing it the same way i am I'm not out at the bars every night. I'm not in those environments. But, you know, that's like one of those like people when people ask now, right? Like, how did you let it get that bad? The answer is I I was unaware. I really I didn't look at myself in the mirror. I didn't weigh myself. I didn't take pictures. And I wasn't getting negative feedback loops in the way that would make you want to change. I was still hooking up with hot chicks. I was still getting gigs. I was now. There was embarrassing things. There was things where, like, I debased myself in certain roles that I that I'm now ashamed of taking, or you know, gigs that I I'm ashamed of now. But you know, at the time, I'd never thought of it as me being like, you know, hideous fat guy to laugh at. I just thought of it like, hey, this is what every actor has to do: get a role, get in, move up. Like, like this is. You know, hey, you know, like somebody would want to do a tour to be like, hey, we're going to call it the heavyweights of comedy tour. And it's like, all right, whatever. Like that, that's that been done. But whatever, like weight. I never thought of my weight. As my like identity, you know, it, honestly, in a weird way, I always just felt like a temporarily inconvenienced athlete. Like in my way, I was just like, all right, well, what next week I'm going to really buckle down. And in a month, I'll I'll be back where I need to be, man. You know, and and. Yeah, it it, it 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 there was a few rock bottoms along the way and then finally the last rock bottom and I, I you know I've told this this story a couple times but um I, I got I got stabbed in Nashville. Oh my um,
2: god. I didn't know Yeah. That.
3: Yeah, yeah, I was partying with uh uh Jelly Roll who's now, you know, worldwide famous, Me Catfish Jelly Roll. Uh we were hanging out. Now again, being an athlete was a big part of it. Like so they're hanging out, they got all these like fighters and stuff. He hangs out with these MMA fighters. And we're all getting hammered, drunk. Other things were involved, and uh, we start like wrestling, like cat catfish and jelly start playfully messing with each other. And catfish is like, "I bet you, my boy G, could take your whole security team." And jelly jelly's like, "No way." And we started. We, we formed a circle. It was his million his millionth subscriber party in Nashville and in, in his house studio on on, uh, on Radio Row there. And we formed a circle, and I started wrestling with a security team, putting these cats down. Ah, uh, one after the one, another until the last guy, Maui the Don, a great, great guy. We start, we start scrapping good, and then his gun falls out, and everybody's and now everybody's, everybody's like, "Whoa!" Now, while all this was happening, I guess he, Jelly had taken like a Snapchat of telling everybody, and these girls saw me on the Snapchat, hit me up, and they were like, "Yo, we want to come to the party," and I'm like, "Yeah, come to the party." And then by the time everything kind of settled down. They were like, we can't come. Why don't you come over here? I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's do that. Hell yeah. And I go to this girl's house. Uh, and dude, it's a whole ass college party. It's it's not the girls. And I'm like 34 years old, 33 years old. <laughs> I should not be at this college party. But I am not. I'm an inebriator. And I, I you know, I'm, I am get there and I'm like, all right, I, I got to go. And they're like, no, no, you got to stay. My friend really thinks you're cute. And I'm like, all right, then I'll stay. And these guys do not want me there. And in re- in retrospect, if, if some thirty three year old showed up to my college party, I wouldn't have wanted them there either. <laughs> right. so they're like talk they're like talking shit, and I'm better at it than they are. So I start talking shit and really embarrassing them in front of these girls. And the worst thing you can do to a group of twenty somethings is twenty something year old young men, hot you know, red blooded is is to emasculate them in front of women. So a scrap breaks out, and now I'm like kind of like messing with these kids like
2: you you went through jelly rolls security no problem you feel like uh, these 20 year old kids are not going to be a problem
3: they weren't a problem i was actually keenly aware of the fact that i'm not going to hurt one of these kids and getting in the news because i didn't want to be known at being at this party like right those and so their whole the whole freaking frat house is trying to push me out the door and i'm not letting them And I'm like, all you got to do is ask. Somebody asked me nicely. Beg me to leave and I'll leave. I'm like doing that. And then I'll never forget it. It was like time stood still. Then this one good old boy comes jumping over the pile trying to push me out. And it was like a Guy Ritchie movie, freeze frame, you know, because I got my hands down holding these dudes and he's got a whole bottle of fireball, like a hammer. And I can see this thing coming down. And I remember going, oh, this ain't good. And bam. Cracks my skull. I ended up getting like 16 staples. And I'm still, now I got blood all over me. And I'm still like trying to fight these dudes off. And then I feel it. Somebody stuck me. I got stabbed six times.
2: Oh, my God.
3: Yeah, it was rough. That's not the roughest part. The roughest part is they couldn't get me on the gurney. They had to call another, they had to call help. And it took uh, four of them. Because I was kind of, I was like passed out from the blood loss. I was like dead weight. They, You know, it it took four of them to get me up on the gurney to get me into the EMS. And then I saw my weight, my blood, I saw my blood alcohol level. And, uh, you know, I I made it, you know, I made a deal with God in the, uh, in the, in the EMS, you know, and um, sitting there going, man. Not like this. You can't let me go out like this. If you, you know, if you don't if you don't let me die, I'll never drink again. And then I'm like, wait, I'm lying to God while I'm dying. If if you don't let me die, I'll never drink hard alcohol again. I'll never like like I'll try to scale down on the beer little by little, but the beer was never my problem. Whiskey was my problem. I'd go through a bottle of a night, and then, you know, open up an eight, you know, crack open an eight ball and start on bottle number two, man. You know, so if I'm going to, if I was going to have eight drinks a night, you know, I can make them, you know, eight beers over four hours and be perfectly fine. It's a lot different than eight Manhattans, you know? Um, But yeah. And then I saw my weight, you know, and I was 396 pounds. I was four pounds away from 400 pounds, man. Right. I'm sitting there going, I am, 180 pounds heavier than when I loved myself I'm I am a whole professional athlete heavier than myself as a professional athlete I I am an adult male I am you know and then the comedy kind of kicked in as you know the cop was uh you know talking to me and the guy, I'm trying to hook up the cop with the nurse and, you know, like we're there in there and like, you know, I'm trying to de- diffuse and I'm like, and the doctor was not having it. The doctor's like, you're going to die. Right. So, you know, you should laugh. Enjoy as much as you can because you're going to die. Um, that Um That's it. She's like, you're doing everything you possibly can to die. It's a miracle you didn't die tonight. One inch in any direction from any of these and you're dead. But I think that's kind of what you want. Yeah, she was very harsh, <laughs> but she was very real. And um, yeah, man, and that that was that was the beginning of, of healing for sure. That yeah. was rock bottom, brother. You know, uh, yeah.
2: The beginning for me too was a death sentence. But but it was a, you are going to die. Not you. you you're lucky you didn't. It was yeah. like yeah, this. There's no coming back, just be prepared. You got a couple weeks. and that and that was enough for me to go like, well, mm. I'd rather have my shit together and die with my shit together to whatever degree I can manage that in a few weeks than mm-hmm. just continue what I'm doing and and die knowing this.
3: yeah, and I want to be very clear. you know, I, I name dropped like an asshole, so forgive me, but like catfish is an unbelievable guy. Jelly roll was so cool to me. Uh, they had and, nothing, and neither to do. of them
2: stabbed you, right? They
3: had nothing to do with this. This was me thrill seeking, never wanting the party and validation seeking, you know, just you know, going out on the hunt. I, I did, dude, I did this all the time. A lot of times, I think I really got into comedy not because I was passionate about it, not because I loved it, not because I was good at it. I think I, I gravitated co- towards comedy because it gave me the excuse I needed to be on the road and at bars i think i got into comedy because you know if i was telling my girl at the time like hey i gotta go to the bar tuesday thursday friday saturday from and i gotta be there from eight until it closes babe that's that's a pretty that's a pretty you know that's a pretty big red flag but i'm yeah. like yo i'm working that's what <laughs> i gotta do yeah you know and by the way, I'm going to spend, I'm going to make $250 tonight and I'm going to spend a buck 50 at the bar. Right. <laughs> yes, this you is get, my you business ha- plan. You can help, you can help me rent this much, Bit this month, Bit. I got okay. a big gig coming up next month. So you, took,
2: you took off a hundred pounds. How did you do that?
3: Slowly, painfully, uh, gradually. Yeah. Um, you, you know, is, you said isn't something. there
2: something isn't there something like you You said, like the number at the time was shocking to you. And, and, yeah. and I think it is quite like, you know, you wake up one day and you go like, how did my hair get this long? You're not yep. you're, you're not aware of it every day as it's yeah. happening. But you no. go a year without a haircut and then there's going to be a day where it's surprising. Right. And maybe leading up to that, there's some awareness of like yeah it's on its way to getting long, but the day you you go like this this is too much, whatever that is, you know, you want it off you fucking and it. you want you want it off
3: or you want to bury yourself in a hole as deep as you can find yeah and um you know, uh not hating yourself, coming to terms with the fact that you can't change the past um the embarrassment was really, really big. Uh, I tell you, one of the one of the first things that happened was I, I had to remove myself from situations, and the second thing was was frankly, COVID was kind of a blessing for me um, in the beginning, and then it turned into a real curse. But uh, I think for everybody, obviously, I'm not alone on that. But you know, it allowed me really to, you know, center myself and and um, you know just get a get away from people while I was doing this work. That I needed to do, you know, like, um, the very first time I went back to the gym, when I got home, I was in my hometown, you know, my, my girl, the girl I was with for four years, um, we, we had a place together in Jersey city and and she ended up, she left, she had had enough and she should have, she shouldn't have stuck around as long as she did. And when I finally went back to the gym. And this is a place I had loved my whole life, Ethan. I I spent hours every day. this was my social life. I in my hometown, staying at my parents, and I'm taking an accounting of myself. And I'm 33 years old. I'm in my parents' fucking house sleeping. I'm 400 fucking pounds, and I I sat in the in the I sat in the the parking lot of the gym. And I fucking cried for an hour, trying to trying to build up the strength to go into the gym. I was so ashamed, and I, I I was praying that nobody would notice me. I've spent my whole life trying to be noticed, and I was I was like, man, please don't notice me. Please don't know anybody in there. Please. Um. It was I I couldn't believe it. It was like paralyzing. Yeah. But, you know, it worked. It, working how it works yeah you know uh and you do feel better about yourself um uh, until you stop until you plateau the plateaus are the fucking worst the plateaus might be worse than anything else because man i lost that first like 30 40 pounds like this like in a month and i was pumped and i was motivated man and i'm feeling good about myself and then I, I i'm working just as hard maybe harder and i i lose like two pounds three pounds over the next like month and i'm like, ah. <laughs> what's going on here, man? <laughs> like, Oh no. Like, you know, you're like, you know, did, did I, did I pray to the wrong gods? <laughs> Do I got to sacrifice a cat? Like what's going on here, man? Um, You know, that those natural plateaus, understanding water weight, understanding how your body changes as you get older, understanding like these sort of things. And you said the biggest thing on the podcast, this is what I was, I was going to say. And this, this is what resonated resonated with me. Um, this cut me to the core of my being, brother. It's it doesn't have an end date. Right. You know, this so checking these things off in my mind, these 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 progress checkpoints, these like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, we're gonna be where we need to be. It's it's a it's a it's it's setting yourself up for failure. It really is. It it doesn't matter. It's just this is what I do. The the no different than like I I wipe my ass every single time I shit. Right. There's not like it's not like I'm on a 90 day wipe my ass program. Yeah. Every single time.
2: I mean, there's so many great analogies. I brush my teeth. You know, you go to the dentist. The dentist says you don't have any cavities. Are you done brushing your teeth? You've succeeded. You don't have to brush your teeth. You don't have to worry about it anymore. And look, that's not to say there's probably a person or two or 10 or 100 who were a hundred or more pounds overweight lost the hundred pounds and never had to think about it again. Fine. Fuck them. That's not me. That's not my experience. I lost multiple hundreds of pounds multiple times. And every time I thought I'd reached the finish line, I gained it back.
3: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The the other big thing is like the social aspect too, right? Like, you know, this is what we do when we're sad, you know, Hey, Come on, come on over, man. We'll, we'll, you know, grab a bottle of wine and and we'll watch a movie. We'll talk, you know, we'll talk about it, you know. The, the. Hey, you want to go out on a date? What do we do on a date? We sit and we eat and we drink. Hey, you guys want to get together on Friday? Yeah. What are we gonna do? Uh, so full circle back to pickleball. Yeah. And you ask how I lost the weight? Um. Well, Mickey's gonna say it's him, and Mickey has been <laughs> a huge, hugely positive influence on me massively positive influence i give him shit on the podcast that he like all other wrestlers uh oscillates between a morbid curiosity of fat people and an outright hatred um you know but uh he's really been phenomenal man and that kind of it it takes the good part of the competitor out of me like oh you're working out i'll come to your gym and i'll work out right oh you're you know oh oh you're eating clean and he does it too he's like what are you eating over there i'm like well, I'm not eating the chocolate cake, that's for sure. I would never think of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're athletes. We don't eat yeah, chocolate. We're, cake. we're athletes, Mick. Yeah. You know, he, he's he is, as far as like an accountability buddy goes, I couldn't ask for better. He's he's unreal. And he doesn't have to be, and he's incredible. Um, you know, Phil Heath, another friend of mine who was really, 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 really supportive, really, really, really helpful, really brilliant guy. Uh, and he hooked me up with a meal plan program that's that's been pretty life changing, um, but they've been messing with my orders, so I'm not going to give them a free shout out. But the uh, but the uh, the other big thing, and this to me is the biggest thing, Ethan, is I realize now I'm a community guy. I can't go to the gym alone every day and get it done. I can't, you know, I can't. I'm not the guy who's going to go to the track and do my two miles and listen to my iPad. And and like you said, the people that can, God bless them. The people that say running is my therapy. I think you're weird, but God bless you. You know, uh, I need pickleball. I need to play with other people. I need to meet other people. I need some sort of social aspect and uh, competition. Uh, I need community. And if anybody's listening to this that's younger, community fades as you age. Uh, that is something I was not prepared for in retrospect. I was not prepared for the structured environment to disappear where, you know, hey, here's the next six weeks planned out by your trainers, your coaches, everything. You know, go to the we're going to the gym as a team at this time. We're doing stretching at this time. We got our trainers at this time. You got to do that yourself in the real world. And I wasn't prepared for it. And, and when I say prepared for it, it's easy to set those times. You're just not accountable to anybody. What's going to happen if I don't go? I'm going to get cut. No, I'm not going today. I'm hungover. i not going to the gym at six o'clock. I'm hungover. I'll go after work. Oh, uh, I had to sit in two hours of traffic. I'm fucking not going to the gym. I'm tired. Multiply that by eight weeks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. but if I have a softball game, I'm going. I'm not going to hang my buddies out to dry. If I have pickleball, I'm going. I'm not going to hang my partners out to dry. You know, that accountability to the team, the group environment, you know, everybody in their mother used to make fun of um, CrossFit back in the day. It was like the lowest hanging fruit for uh, for, for comedians before Donald Trump came onto the scene. Uh, But CrossFit, I get it now. I, I don't like it personally, but I get it you're not paying 250 bucks for a workout. You're paying 250 bucks for a community. Yeah. You know, you're paying 250 bucks so that you're around like-minded people like, Hey man, that's happy hour. Now I get it. Pickleball is my happy hour. I yeah. used to go to the, I used to go to the bar, have a couple of drinks, meet some people bullshit around, decompress a little bit after work. That's pickleball for me. Now, man, I go out to the courts for two hours, hang out, play some games that that's it. It's my bar. Yeah, You know, uh, even better in places like, you know, uh, Nashville, Houston, where the pickle bar has a bar, <laughs> but does it, is you know, that true? Yeah. Chicken, oh, chicken and pickles. It's blowing up everywhere. It's awesome. Um, there's these, like, it's like a bar in the middle, like a tiki bar. And then they got all these like pickleball courts around it. It's sick. Um, but yeah, so that social aspect, very, very, very important. And if you're younger your friends are going to get married and then they got their family to take care of and people are going to get, they're going to go to work. And then, you know, it used to be really easy to find people to play pickup basketball with, and then it becomes impossible. Seek that out. Don't allow your life to become sedentary. If I can go back and tell 26 year old Gerard one thing, it's like, dude, well, I should have joined the military. <laughs> really, If I really could do it over again, like, dude, join the military. Uh, you know, but if I could tell a 26-year-old Gerard anything, it would be like, dude, you got to get into a rec league. You got to get into cross. You got to get into something. Get into jujitsu quicker. You got to get into something with other people. You're not gonna get, you're not. If you just go to the gym and all you care about is aesthetics, you're just you're not gonna care. You're you're not motivated. It's not there for you. It becomes a chore. Life gets complicated. You know, when you got bills to pay and you got things to do, you got a girl that that accounts on you. It gets complicated. You don't have the two three hours to dick around at the gym like you did when you were a kid. You know, get in with something. You know, I don't I don't know if it's you know a fitness class and it, you know what? Try them out. Yeah. The other well, big I thing think I would that, say you go ahead. that's
2: the 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 thing that I love the most about you is like your passion for pickleball. I think like you didn't wake up one day and invent pickleball because you knew it was going to be something that you were going to love to do like you found pickleball and Mm -hmm. and and while i do think you are a rare specimen because you are you were an athlete that gained weight and i think like I, i i you know stavros halkis has a little bit of this where i talk to him and i'm like buddy you're a successful comedian You get all the chicks that your heart desires. Like for me as a kid, I was like, nobody will ever love me or show me affection. And this was one of the things that I thought was off the table for me. It's clearly not off the table for you. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's clearly Mm -hmm. not off the table for Stavros and, so there is a part of me that goes like your life is fucking beautiful i wouldn't beat myself up about anything if i were you you have what i perceive to be a great life you're super active like it's just fucking awesome but the but that passion for pickleball people doesn't have to be pickleball it could be anything like you said crossfit mm-hmm. i i hurt myself doing crossfit but i everybody sure. does yeah I, the, I mean, the, yeah i mean that's the thing but there is something about knowing like i had this buddy who i met at crossfit his name was brian he was an artist and i'd always go because i'd know the times when he'd be there and i'd want to compete with him i yep. want to see what can brian lift today i'm going to try to outlift him he's going to beat me on the rowing machine you know yeah. what i
3: mean like isn't it isn't it super weird when you find that guy and then you're like you know you guys are buddies but you don't want to be the first one to like hey you want to grab a beer after pickleball like you know right. like like it's almost
2: harder to ask them out to a right. drink at the bar but you're and like, like i am it's here like, because of you and yeah, we don't like, know each other we've never yeah, met.
3: yeah we yeah we uh <laughs> there's a group of us that are really good friends and we would always play pickleball and finally one day afterwards i was like hey, i'm going i'm going to the bar and watch the game you guys want to come and my one buddy brandon is like bro i thought you would never ask dude for real i like i was <laughs> like <laughs> I am like, "Why didn't you ask?" I'm like, "I'm not gonna ask another dude to the bar." I'm like, "Why right. I really ask another dude to the bar?" Yeah, you know, but that's he—he he so wanted funny. to be
2: courted a little bit. He needed yeah, to yeah. the t-shirt. It was
3: just weird. This is a weird thing, man. It's South Florida, after all. You know, you know, you don't know what the, <laughs> what the, uh, yeah, the the group aspect, the community aspect is so huge. And I, Bert Kreischer, I heard, was it was a very good athlete too, man. Um, but you know what's messed up too, and I'm I wonder if this happened to you. Um. When I started losing the weight, my manager at the time was like not supportive of it. They were like, yeah, well, all your material, all oh, you've built this career, you know, then they were kind of like, there's no in between in right. hollywood or there's no in between in comedy you either got to be fat or you got to be super ripped so you better go all the way man you better go all the way you know you're, you're going to be a leading man now and i'm like you've never cast me in anything of significance What? The, you've never done anything for me and now you've got me thinking if i lose weight i'm not going to be funny anymore what are people if they can't laugh at me like what the fuck are you saying about my material right now, you fucking piece of shit? What the hell do you even know about comedy? Shut the, get the fuck off the phone! And I'm, I, I cursed him off, and it's all I thought about for like two days. I was like, "Man, is he right? Am I?" <laughs> right. A lot of my jokes are self deprecating. Wow. Uh, holy mo. But frankly, it was hacky material, dude. Yeah. It, it, it forced me to come out of my comfort zone and actually like write some real material. Yeah. Um, and I got more political because of it. And uh I never wanted to be political either, man. But like this time I just couldn't sit there and not do it. And then I got an audience from it. And then he was like, What are you doing? What are you doing? You gotta be apolitical. And I'm like, I I, I gotta be a political. They're shutting us down. What the fuck you talk like? What are you even talking about? Do you ever tell me what I can do? Or are you just telling me what not to do? Book me. You have got one job. Book me. Like <laughs> that's it. You know, and not my manager anymore. So, uh,
2: <laughs> I I, I had there was nobody ever told me not to do it because, but listen, dude, I was 550, which is uh, another level from 400. 400, I remember 400 and four. Listen, we're, we're, it's not, it's not like I'm demeaning the amount of weight you lost. And those are rookie numbers. I, you got to get those oh, numbers up. Son. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there comes a point where people are just like, well, thank God he's going to live longer. That's mm. a big one, you know? And, and so there was a, but there, I definitely got conversations at a point where they were like, maybe you're done. And I'm yeah. be like, I, I, I have another 200 pounds to lose, y- yeah. y- you know? Um, yep. uh, but, and then it definitely messed with my career. There were lots of jobs where, uh, casting directors just didn't want to see me because I was too thin, you know? And you and- imagine that it's crazy. But they wanted a fat guy, and yeah. I wasn't—I didn't fit that mold anymore. It, 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 you know, entertainment is such a weird—I I don't really blame them either. I started my career very heavy, and mm-hmm. did the majority of my best work very heavy. So, you know, to to completely change the way I look. Sure. It, it's it says I, I, my feelings aren't hurt that people aren't calling me up and going like, you know, you need to be in Remember the Titans Part Two as the fat guy. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, so you heard it here, uh, young aspiring actors. Uh, Five hundred pounds is how you get booked. <laughs> right. hey, forget that that what that's going to be the uh, yeah that's what not the Stanislavsky method. What's that? that the, yeah, no, that's that, that, the that's that's method. A, yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Just gain weight, eat it.
3: Yeah, that's man. all. Just nah, it's dude. I, I th- I honestly think that's bullshit because with the way that at, at your level you're not doing student films, you know, they can look what they did with Brendan Fraser in The Whale, you know, they they can they can make you look any way they want you to make, you know. Sure. So I mean, I, I think that's
2: Yeah, but I don't I, I've thought about that. And like the part Brendan Fraser played in The Whale would have been an amazing part for me mm-hmm. at 22. But I don't want to put on a fat suit now.
3: I, I hear you. Yeah. You know yeah totally and also man you're just a good actor you don't need to either it's not you're not a gimmick yeah. you know i mean you're you've done such amazing roles throughout your career too and and i don't just like you you know don't want to be defined by that i don't want to be defined by it either that's why exactly. as much as that that manager sucks like i don't want self-deprecating you know fat guy does stuff humor to be like oh my god that guy did a cartwheel he's a little, oh, 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 give the give the dolphin a fish No, like
2: that's you're better off without that manager, I think a million percent.
3: Oh, yeah. 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 I I do need some sort of management (laughs) if anybody's listening. But that guy, no, that guy was terrible. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know, man. I I think, you know, what you said yesterday, man, again, about being in being in your head and, and, you know, having those moments of like waiting for other people to leave and then doing what you do. And, you know, like I can remember being out with people for dinner and eating a salad that I didn't want because I was like, Hey, see. And like, but also I could also remember being with my ex, my ex's family. And, uh, we'd be at like a family party in Connecticut and all of our uncles would just be staring at me as I go up to like the the buffet table. And I'm like, okay, I like, Am I am I not supposed to be putting the food on my pl- Oh, it's too much food. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm not good enough for her. I got it. You're 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 staring at me with your waspy Connecticut fucking eyes. You know, like oh, I'm sorry. I don't I don't fit in the vineyard vines. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. It, so there was just no winning. And Mickey said once on the podcast, he was joking. You talked about like you wanted to live longer, and he was like, you know, we were we were joking around, bantering like we do. Uh, and he's like, you better lose the weight or you're going to die. And I'm like, that's hilarious. You think somebody 400 pounds cares about dying? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, You're hilarious. Your self-worth is amazing. You have no idea. Like the way you love yourself is a way 90% of the, the world just couldn't understand. You know, and we think of self-love as like something cocky or narcissistic or bad. Like, it's the most important thing in the world, man. Like, if you can't love yourself, at least just cut yourself some slack, man. Yeah, You're not perfect. This life does not come with a handbook. And there is no time machine, man. There is no time machine. You you have to be at peace with the past. And you got to understand, again, one of the things I loved what you said is, you know, this thing is a process. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. You know, you, you got to be in it. You got to play the long game and you just got to say, look, this is my cross to bear. Yeah, other people can eat, can eat loaves of bread. I can't, whatever. Uh, I can bench 500 pounds. Other people can't, is what it is. Like, we all have our things, man. Like, you you have to have a certain amount of self-love. But the the people that want to help other people, and and I don't know if it's a scare tactic or it's probably really their trepidation. It's like, you're going to die, man. I love you. I want you to be around when you're telling somebody who's depressed, when you're telling somebody who's an alcoholic who hates themselves, who, who who you become an alcoholic because you can't stand the reality that you're living in. Right. I can't stand this reality that is me. I, I can't stand this. I don't want to be this, but I, I I don't know how to change it. And I and when I try to change it. It's very painful. The sacrifices I have to make, and I don't see the results. So when people are just like, "Oh, just lose the weight," it's like telling a bald guy, "Oh, just grow the hair." Right. Like it, it, they don't get it, man. And so this idea of like you're gonna kill yourself, and you're like, "Yeah, I know," and you're supposed to feel bad about it, but inside
2: you're like, fingers crossed, like, <laughs> yeah, what do you yeah, mean? I, of course, that- you think I want to live like this forever? It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weird thing because. It, it I, I think that at the end of the day, like those kind of pleas, those kind of like intervention type things, it never worked on me. And I, I've rarely seen it work with other people. You know, I have people mm-hmm. who contact me. It's like, please talk to my son. And I'm like, does your son want this conversation? There's no there's really I think there's no point in me randomly pleading with your son to change his life the the individual has to want to change it's got to come from within them and i think that there can be something said for like telling people you love them and you're concerned because you don't want to have something bad happen to somebody and and regret and think like i i thought this so many times and i never said anything and had i said something maybe they would have changed i don't think that's true but I, I do think like that's the that's the space I say, like, yeah, I had people talk to me out of concern a number of times. And there were a number of times where I thought, like, I'll I'll at least appear to be changing for their benefit so they feel better. But I sure. didn't really do it. I didn't really make a change until I woke up and went, I need to change.
3: Totally. We had a, a cross-dresser on the show a couple of weeks back. Uh, after the incident in nashville and they're they're considering becoming trans and i'm like well this idea of considering becoming trans i thought like you're either in you are trans or you're not and we had this really really great conversation uh and what she said was that you know this is the trauma from her childhood playing out very abusive mother and she's you know and, and but the mother always commented on other women's clothes like oh my god that's so beautiful oh my god that's amazing where'd you get that and that was the only positive he'd ever heard of his mother. Like his mother was so nasty and negative, but in his mind, women's clothing is beautiful. And then he started cross-dressing and he was expecting everybody to, you know, kind of uh, come after him, but he would be in the gay community and he would get so much validation. Oh my God, you look beautiful. You, you, you look amazing. And that validation felt so good. And, 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 they weren't getting that validation anywhere else. And on a different level, again, I totally got it. Yeah. Why I like sports, why I probably gravitate towards pickleball right now is that, yeah, I, I started playing pickleball for cardio. I started playing pickleball to lose weight. But along the line, I liked that people thought I was good at pickleball. I like that people were like, hey, man, like it was a long time. Nobody wanted to sit next to me on the bus or the plane. Yeah. But now people want to play with me on the court. You know, it's not a small thing, you know, that 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 validation means something. Yeah. And again, that's why I say gravitate towards sports. You know, if you're a big guy.
4: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
0: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com.
1: Moonpig.com Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim?
3: Go to places where being a good, a big guy is good, like play some rugby, do some jujitsu. That's a good first step, I think, you know, because those are places where the size helps you win a little bit and that win will get you a little bit of respect. Yeah. And then that becomes a catalyst for wanting to return that validation. That's positive. Not all validation is bad.
2: You know, um, yeah. the I, trans thing, it's so wild that you brought this up because I've had a couple of trans gals on this show and I, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to say anything inappropriate. So I don't know that I ever got this question thoroughly answered, but basically my question has been like, you perceive your body as wrong and you make this change. Do you feel is it, is that the solution? Are you done? Because I perceived my body as being wrong from the time I was five years old. And the problem is I still perceive it to be wrong. That's a big,
3: and, that's a big issue.
2: And I it's made, big, isu- I made the, by, I changed as much as I could possibly change. I still perceive it as wrong. And when somebody who doesn't know who I am, who's not familiar with me as an actor, makes some positive comment to me, my first thought is they don't know I'm a fat guy. I'm mm. still a fat guy. Mm. I still feel like I'm tricking people. Yeah, I, you know what I mean.
3: I do, I do, and and that that does that does uh, that does especially for kids. That does scare me a little bit. Not scare wouldn't be the right word. I I, I feel for these people, man. But that's irreversible. And I know that there were times I thought, well, if I just did this, you know, again, I'm going to say it for the third time, you know, you said it and I had never heard it that way. And it really was a eureka moment, man, where it's like, dude, this is never there. Th- this is my life. Yeah, this is never going to not be something I have to focus on. You know, this is never going to not be this is never going to be something where I'm just like, OK, you know, I, it's going to be this is this is my battle. This is my cross to bear. Um, and I will say, listen, that is all true. But if gets, there was a surgery, it gets better. It gets it, better oh, for sure. But my, the point I'm trying to make, it definitely gets better. But the point I'm trying to make is like, if there was a surgery or a pill that I thought would do it, I would take it yeah. no matter what the circumstances are. if They told me it would take 10, Gerard, we're going to take 10 years off your life. If you take this pill, but you're gonna have a six pack for those for the next 30 years. I'd take the pill. They wouldn't even be able to finish the set that you're already gonna have a six pack if you take this pill. But what, what I didn't tell you, I don't give a fuck. Well, I don't I don't you don't even care. Just give yeah. me a pill, you know. And that but with those people, I think they're being promised a solution that that I think it's a false promise, and then it becomes irreversible. Um, and there's been a few people I've talked to that have gone through the transitioning process and then regretted it. and, and though I mean. I, I don't want to get on a soapbox with this. That this is not like I'm not a civil rights leader or anything like that. But this, I I really, really, really hope, um, people aren't doing it for validation. I right. really, really, really hope that just like that Instagram model who's starving herself and is a bulimic and is still photoshopping herself and is getting herself injected with silicones and and, and 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 you know because she needs to look better on Instagram because she she's 31 and she needs to look 22. I I if you're doing something for validation, again, I think it's good. I think there's positive validation, but you have to be very very aware of that that's the motivating factor. And then you have to take a very very serious self-accounting of okay, is this a positive activity for my validation? It's no different than than kids who do drugs, it's no different than than anything. If you're in a community and you're getting validation, validation is important. We 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 are pack animals. But then you have to be like, okay, but is, is this is this a healthy environment you yeah. know um and again, you know that that's that's something that unfortunately really for me, I don't know about you I I can imagine Hollywood <laughs> not so much, but a lot of those times it, it doesn't happen organically. you have to seek out those positive environments. you really, really do.
2: yeah well, I had to I personally, I had to just go like I need to get better with ex for myself with just going like a lot of this shit is in my head a lot of it and what's in my head is nonsense a lot of the time and find something about myself that i can love and appreciate and do something kind for myself today Mm. oftentimes doing something kind is eating on my program going to the gym taking my dogs on a walk You know, today I did a pickleball lesson with my wife and we had a great time. And that was an act of kindness to myself that outweighed the idea of being embarrassed about going and looking like an idiot at the pickleball court or looking like an oaf or looking like a fat guy or whatever that is. The kindness is I'm going to do something active. That's kind. Kindness oftentimes was thought to be like, I'm going to withhold myself from the environment because the environment shouldn't have to be subjected to me. And and I've just tried to rewire that. So what I think that in order to be successful at anything, we have to have a little confidence you have, or
3: you're going to fit Dude, think about think about what pre-gaming is, right? When people were like, come over, we're going to pre-game, you know, and and people are like, well, you're going to have some drinks to go out to the bar. But for me, and I've talked to girls about this and they feel the same way, but nobody ever thinks of it this way. It's like, all right, guys, we're going to get together and we're going to kill our inhibitions before we go to this place. All right. We're going to we're going to any any self-doubt we have. We're going to leave it right here in the apartment. Like that's that's what that's what pre-gaming is. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, man, if you have to do that to go to that place, why are you even going? Yeah. Like like you're just going because like what do you like about the the, the place? If you have to kill like drinking is fun. Yeah. You can sit in your backyard and drink and enjoy the experience. The bar is superfluous. Yeah. Right? So so you know that why are we going there? Oh, well what well, are we going there for like ritualistic mating practices? <laughs> Like, okay. So, if that's the point, we're going to hook up. Well, then I definitely have to be wasted because I have no self confidence, but exactly. I do have a gift of gab. So, yeah. if I just, if I can kill this little part of me that knows I suck, you know, yeah. then I can, you know, I, I can. And then the, co- the competition and the validation kicks back in where it's like, you know, oh, oh, you guys, you guys work out so much. But I'm the guy leaving with the with the girl. Weird, weird. <laughs> right. And then you're able to maintain your kind of hierarchy within your friend group, right? Because yeah. you know it's it's like then they'll start making excuses for you, like, oh no, G's the man. Like, oh don't worry, you know. Oh, do you know? And then you're you're also resting on past laurels, like, oh no, dude, dude, play for the Cardinals, man, he's the man. Don't yeah. you, no, no, G's cool, G's cool. And it never it never even dawned on me, like when people say that, I was always like, well, my friends are really bigging me up, good stuff, but. No, my friends are excusing why they are with me. Right. My friends are excusing to this group of strangers, this group of women, like, why would they hang out with this this slob? (laughs) Oh, no, he's the man.
2: Yeah. Oh, you know. You don't even know. You don't even know what's in that slob. Yeah.
3: uh, Yeah. And now, in retrospect, I mean, how embarrassing is that in retrospect, you know? So, you know, but again... um, all you can kind of do is take accounting of it. Um, you know, again, why I I I try not to talk about it. I mean, I want to normalize mental health. I talk about mental health a lot. I want to know I, I believe therapy saved my life. Um but uh yeah, it's, this is this is difficult to talk about, but you it's make it easy to talk topic. about man. It's
2: a heavy topic, and I've been yeah, there, and I'm still puns. Hands. Come on. Man. We're all in it, we're all in it. <laughs> Gerard thank you so much this has been a wonderful conversation yeah
3: Ethan man I I really appreciate what you're doing your 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 openness your vulnerability uh it's it's so powerful it's commendable I think you're saving lives man I really Uh, do I think uh, I think you're saving lives bro I'm saving uh,
2: my I'm definitely saving my own I'll tell you that much
3: yeah and uh you know once once you're ready we'll get you out on that court we'll play some we'll
2: play some 2v2 baby I love it thank you brother
5: And now for the Q&A. Today's question for you is from Joe. Hi, Joe. Joe asks, as someone who has binge dieted and been a binge glutton, I'm concerned just how badly I may have screwed up my liver, pancreas, and metabolism in general. How does one heal his or her metabolism if she or he has in fact messed it up with binge dieting? gluttonous cycles. With gratitude and respect, Joe.
2: Joe, great question. Your metabolism, here's the thing. Unless you have uh, like a thyroid condition or something else, your metabolism is just the amount of energy your body requires to function. That's all that means. So you can't really have a damaged metabolism because what we're talking about is just the amount of energy you use. So if, if you're, if you're wanting to eat more energy than your body uses, that's not a problem with your metabolism. That's a problem with hunger cues. And, you know, um, the, the. there could be all manner of reasons for that, but it's not like I, I require 3000 calories a day. And I, I don't know how to explain this better. Like you, you're, you're most likely your metabolism is fine. You just want to eat more than your body needs to produce, the amount of energy your body needs to produce. This isn't a broken metabolism. This is a a, a problem with needing to eat less. Really, um, I had to have this really ho- horrifying conversation with one of my kids once, where she said I had a sl- she said she had a slow metabolism. That's not really a thing. You, you just are eating too much. Um, so I, I think you know if you're if you're consuming food and your body's not digesting it and your body's not getting the energy out of it then there are certainly problems there that you could look at but the the slowing that your metabolism does while you're dieting comes back as soon as you start eating again so if you're hmm. eating and gaining weight your metabolism's not slow does that make sense your yeah. your metabolism slows while you're dieting because your body is trying to conserve energy. And when, when it's said the metabolism slows, what is actually happening is you're moving less. So your body requires less energy to survive. That's mm-hmm. what's happening. When they look at like, a guy lost weight on a diet and should require X amount of energy for his size now, but in fact requires less energy food. It's because um, his non exercise active thermogenesis, which is all the movement that you do outside of going to the gym and exercising, has slowed because your body is sending signals going, There's not enough food, we're starving. Slow down. It's not analytical thought. This is just uh, stuff your body does. Your body will slow you down and stop making you move so much, which uses energy so that you will stop starving and losing weight.
5: So then, to his question, because it sounds as though—and I don't mean to read into this—that maybe, he, well, he says, "I'm concerned," right? That he says, "I'm concerned just how badly I may have screwed up my liver, my pancreas, my metabolism, and how does one heal?" So, are you saying, like, don't the liver, worry about the
2: pancreas, the liver and the pancreas? No, listen, I don't want to tell Joe, don't go get your liver and pancreas checked out if because there right. could be another problem there. But as far as your metabolism goes, the mechanics of your metabolism slowing down from dieting is that when your body is, in, um, is not receiving enough energy to survive and it's consuming its stored fat, it will slow you down in order to, you know, <clears throat> you got to really picture it this way. Your body has no idea at all what you're doing to it when you're getting it fat it's happy it thinks you're you're in some situation where there's lots of abundant food it's relaxed there's no stress about that right when you're not eating when you're eating so little that it's eating its own fat it's worried because the end result of that is you die you starve to death mm-hmm. so your body is then going to fight that by slowing down moving talking with your hands maybe you'll Avoid going to the bathroom. You know, you go like, I kind of got to pee, but I don't have to that bad. Whereas possibly when you're well fed, you just go pee. You wouldn't, you know what I mean? You're yeah. so there's a lot that goes into it. Um, but it, it really is the amount that you are moving, jittering your leg, um, talking animatedly, how much you stand up, how much you, uh, pace, all of that is going to go into, that's what your body is going to shut down. So when you hear about or think about my metabolism slowed down, it's because you literally have slowed down. You have stopped moving as much. This is the great thing. and This is one of the reasons I advocate so much for diet breaks because all of that stress that your body is undergone because you haven't been feeding it enough because it's been eating its stored fat, which is like its savings account of energy, that all chills out. And you don't have to gain weight in order for it to chill out. You just have to eat enough to not lose weight. All of the stuff that gets you slowed down goes away after some time, and then you can diet again and your metabolism will be "quote unquote" fast again or fired up but really it's just how much you're moving.
5: Right. Right. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Thank you for the additional explanation there. It is a um,
2: horrible thing for people who conceive that they're not losing weight because they have a slow metabolism to say like yeah. no, it's just that you're you're moving less and right. you're you're eating enough to sustain life right to Mm -hmm. sustain whatever function the body requires that's how much you're eating the it sucks it's a hard swill to it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes but that's really the mechanics once you start eating again you know there could be some there are people who take thyroid pills right So Uh there if as long as there's not a real problem like that outside of a problem like that, it's just that you're not you're not moving as much as you as your calculation to lose weight, you know?
5: Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Okay, good. Well, thank you for that. And Joe, good luck to you. And thanks for asking us your question. Uh, If anyone else has a question, we love to get your questions. Just email them to us at americanglutton.net.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.